sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. And before we dive into today's episode, I just want to let you all know a little bit about our sponsor, which is the Hear and See podcast from Ian Baldwin. The show is going to be talking to various people within the music industry. And the first episode is already out by the time you are hearing this. So you can subscribe to the show in your podcast app of choice and listen to that. But right now, we are going to have you listen to the trailer for the upcoming season, the first season of the show. I hope you all enjoy. Hello, I'm Ian Baldwin from Here and See. I'm excited to bring you a brand new show where we focus on discussions relevant to the music industry and the culture surrounding it. This season, we discuss finding your role in a band, being vulnerable with your art, networking, and focusing on your strengths with special guests including Kramer Welker from the band You Versus Yesterday. I've had band members in the past that have been like, I don't really know what you want me to do and I don't know what I'm good at, so why don't you tell me what you need me to do and I'll figure it out. And I do uh, respect and admire that. Multidimensional creator and author, Jeff Finley. And and guide you and hold a loving space for you. And that's where so much healing happens, is in that unconditionally loving space. Even sometimes just talking to somebody about it somehow dissolves all the blocks that you've had about it in your in your in your field and then next thing you know you're like not even triggered by this stuff anymore and music journalist for dayton.com and fellow podcaster from the gym city podcast libby balangy and my advice to everyone in general like just across the board even if you're not a musician and you're listening to this and just like you're working in your day job is like, be nice to every single person you encounter join us for the first episode september 9th subscribe and listen for free on apple podcasts to stay up to date when new episodes are released. Today we're talking all about Mission Impossible 3 with Tim Matthews. Tim, thank you so much for coming back on a third time to discuss Mission Impossible. We will have you on three more times after this to discuss the rest <laughs> once I get around to them. Hopefully I can watch 4 and 5 relatively soon and still catch Fallout while it's in theaters because it is still playing at quite a few by me. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to squeeze that in here, but I have no clue when it is going to be leaving theaters because it has been out for quite a while now. Yeah, it's probably uh I I think it's still doing well, so I think it as long as as long as there's nothing that needs to bump it out of the theaters, I feel like it'll be okay. But and I don't think there's that many big things coming anytime soon, but once October hits, I think it's going to be gone. Yeah, I know in October the Venom movie is coming and that'll probably push at least a few things out of theaters mm-hmm. by me because the theaters by me will obviously play the big blockbuster movies for quite a while but sometimes i'll see you know some of these smaller indie films and it's like they come and go within two or three weeks and i'm like wait i wanted to see that what happened to it already i know i know (laughs) so i want to start by just quickly talking about our experience watching this because this was one that i had watched but it was so long ago and i was probably like i don't know eighth grade in eighth grade or early high school or something 
when I watched it. And, you know, I think I mentioned this on the previous podcast, but this is the only one we have on DVD for whatever reason. Just three. (laughs) That's all we have. And I only really remembered a couple scenes tops from it. And when I was rewatching it before recording this, I was like, you know, I don't remember most of this movie, to be honest with you. So it was almost like rewatching it and still seeing it for the first time again. Because, you know, when you're younger, you don't necessarily remember things quite as well, especially since I wasn't huge into movies at the time. It was like I would just watch whatever my parents bought and wanted to watch if it was something I was allowed to watch in the first place. And since (laughs) this is mostly just an action movie, I think, you know, this one was okay for me to watch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, let's see, 2006. So um, I don't know what month it came out, but uh, that was the year I graduated high school. So um, I was, and I was working in a movie theater uh, at the time, I think. I don't think I was working at Hollister which was my least favorite job, but I don't think I made the transition. I think I was still at the theater, so I got to see movies for free, which was fun, uh, of course. Uh, and I, rem- I, I do remember vividly like going to this movie with my friends and um, being a fan of like the other two movies, but also as much as I enjoyed the second one, I was like, all right, I'm excited for this one, but I was hoping it was going to go like, you know, more more to the side of the the first one than the second one. And um, I think thankfully it definitely uh, does scale it back. Um, And uh, so I do remember it being a fun experience seeing it in the theater and uh, uh, being surprised by uh, some of the twists um, that I really enjoyed. And I want to say this may have been my introduction to Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is not a bad introduction. Yeah, and that basically leads us right into talking about the casting, because I was on the IMDb page for this, and the amount of names I recognized in this movie far surpassed the first two combined, probably. You know, (laughs) we still have, obviously, Ethan and Luther in it, so those are familiar faces in Tom Cruise and Bing Rhames, but then you have Maggie Q, you have Jonathan Rice Myers. You have Aaron Paul making a cameo in this. Yeah, so even, random. Yeah, even, you know, Sasha Alexander was in it for like 10 seconds. And I was like, oh, and then she was gone. <laughs> and yeah. You have these big names, too. You know, you have Billy Crudup and Lawrence Fishburne. And I was just so impressed with this cast. And for a lot of these actors and actresses, too, they weren't necessarily huge at the time. You know, I believe this was at least a few years before, you know, Aaron Paul broke out in Breaking Bad. So just to see him in this, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't remember him being in this at all. And then you have Michelle Monaghan as well. I have no Mm -hmm. idea if I'm pronouncing half of these names right. But it's just one of those things where you're like, wow, they got a lot of big names that didn't have to play big roles either you know Carrie Russell is huge now from her stint on I believe it's the Americans it's on my to watch list so I haven't watched it yet but I know you know she's a very familiar name in sort of that whole you know prestige tv conversation lately 
Yeah, that and that one's definitely on my list too. I've heard nothing but good things. Um, yeah, the Carrie Russell thing. I feel like, I feel like that mirrors back to like the Emilio Estevez in the first one, where it was like, oh my god, Carrie Russell's in this, and then she's gone. <laughs> yeah. So in the same way, the first one was like, yes, Emilio Estevez, and then dead. <laughs> You're just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, even Greg Runberg is in this for like yeah. 10 seconds. I was like, how did they get all of these people? And obviously some of these names at the time when the movie came out and when my parents and I had watched it on DVD, I wouldn't have recognized them. But, you know, Bellamy Young even because of her role in Scandal, which I didn't watch. I actually recognized her from Criminal Minds because she had a brief okay. stint on that show as like, you know, the boss man's girlfriend or something like that. So <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, she's in this. And you have Simon Pegg, who is the tech guy, and you have Eddie Marzen. It's just such a stacked cast. And honestly, I didn't remember so many of these people being in this movie because it's just like so quick with so many of them. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, they're gone. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. This, this movie, this movie flies. Like it, even even the 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 like down moments uh don't they don't they don't feel like they're lingering too long like it it feels like all right boom boom we're getting everything we need and then we're moving on to the next scene but it doesn't feel rushed like it i think it flows really well which is and maybe maybe that's a testament to just these these characters coming in and just playing you have all these great people so they're just playing them so naturally that you you don't have time to be taken out of it. You're just like, oh, like there's a quick moment of just like, shoot, that's them. And then next thing you know, you're you're already focused on the next part um, where someone else is being introduced and blowing your mind that they're in, the, in it and then giving a really good performance even for the tiniest thing. Like Aaron Paul, like smallest bit in, in this movie probably, but he's fantastic in that part. And that was that was the one that surprised me the, the most. I was just sitting there. I'm like, is that no way? <laughs> yeah. And as far as the story goes too, you mentioned how everything just flies by in this. One of the things I've really liked about the story though, was the fact that we didn't need to know why Ethan was retired. Really? It's like, yeah. okay, we're starting off. We, we get a glimpse of that, you know, final scene not final final scene but you know we get a glimpse at the very beginning of what's to come later in the movie and then we cut to a party and yeah. we see ethan living this perfectly normal life until he gets a phone call and he finds himself going to 7-eleven to get some ice that he dumps in the backyard and that is when we first see him come out of retirement basically because Billy Crudup's Musgrave is the one who meets him at the 7-Eleven and he basically tells him hey you know it's Agent Ferris are you in and then when Ethan tries to leave he just keeps talking and was like you know your plane leaves at this time and everything like that so you know that because of who is in danger, Ethan's going to come out of retirement for this. And yeah. by the end of the movie, you know, he doesn't really give an answer as to whether or not he's going to be retired again or if he's going to stay with IMF. And yeah. obviously with more movies, 
we know that he stays. But it's one of those things where, like I mentioned with the other movies, because we know at this point in time that there are more movies to come, we know nothing happens to Ethan that is too terribly bad. (laughs) Yeah. The leaving things open like that and leaving some mystery out there for you to just kind of figure it out on your own. That's it's a total JJ move. Like it's even with the MacGuffin of the movie being the rabbit's foot. And then uh, at the end, you have um, him saying, you know, hey, what is the rabbit's foot? And Lawrence Fishburne just saying, uh, promise me you'll stay and I'll tell you. Um, And then he's just like, I'm good. And you're left to be like. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I want to know what it is. But that's a total JJ move to just be like, here's this mysterious thing. And I'm not going to give you all the answers. You have to kind of you you have to come up with your own little theories for it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that. I like that we, we get just all the information we need. Like clearly he's in retirement because he fa- he founds a semblance of a life outside of being in the field. And he enjoys that. And that's all we need. We don't need some dramatic story on, you know, what made him quit the field or anything like that. It's just it's a man who was ready to move on with his life. But then naturally, as we've seen through the story of this movie, he's he just left to struggle with knowing if there's people out there that needs it, that needs his help. Like he can't stand by. He can't ever fully leave that life. Um, and we're just given just enough information to figure that out, but they don't make us sit and lull on it and be like, all right, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Plus he explicitly tells Luther, you know, that she makes him remember what life was like before the job when things were relatively normal for all of them. And, you know, him and Luther go back and forth about the relationship throughout the entire movie. And I think while Luther might not agree with him. It's still a sign that Luther cares about him and what happens to him because, you know, even Declan agrees with Luther at one point when they're on a job and he's sort of just like, you know, for Declan anyway, he was like, I prefer not being married, basically. (laughs) He was like, that works for me. And with Ethan, you know, he probably knows deep down that marriage isn't the best idea, but it's something that he's willing to try and have no matter what it ends up costing him. And, you know, we see him go after Julia when she's taken towards the end of the movie, and he's pretty confident that he can save her, even though he has to do, you know, this crazy swinging thing from a building and landing on a roof and sliding all the way down it and you know we'll we'll definitely talk about the action scenes in this movie as well because there were quite a few of them but I felt like they were all warranted so it's just one of those things where the story like you said it flowed really well and even when it slowed down when you have those moments where you know he's going to the hospital to talk to Julia and telling her that he has another work trip to go on it doesn't feel like it's dragging on you know even though this movie is over two hours long I think it was like two hours and five minutes or so it doesn't feel like you're sitting there that long watching this movie just because it's you know one hit after another and I think that served the movie really well and you know 
I don't know if I want to say this is my favorite one just yet because I haven't watched the other three, so I feel like that would be a little unfair, but I do really like what J.J. did with this movie. Well, I mean, you can certainly judge it on the ones that you've seen and and say that it's that it might be your favorite so far. Um, it's definitely uh, it's e- even for me having seen uh, all of them. Uh, I don't know if this one is. I wouldn't say this one's my number one, but it is so strong. It's easily the best villain of the whole series. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of unfair when you cast Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's like no one else has a choice. Uh, or has a chance, like unless you 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 get another actor, you know, at his level, and there there are few and far between, and yeah, it's just the I I really and really really enjoy this one. The story's really strong. It adds that personal element, but you still get so much of the team and spy aspect that it doesn't it doesn't feel as much like an Ethan Hunt movie like the second one did um this one yeah he kind of gets roped into going off on his own but then the team still shows up and they're like we have your back like i i and i think that i think that's a big uh showcase of ethan and luther's friendship that's a i feel like that's a real key key role in this movie we get a lot more depth into their friendship and i think that adds a lot to the weight of his spy life and that it's like, yeah, he has this, this great, um, he has, he has this, this great life with this wonderful woman outside of the spy life, but he also has this close knit family in this other life. So you can see kind of the internal, the internal struggle of, it's just like, he can't, he can't say goodbye to both. Um, and he, and he doesn't want to say goodbye to one or the other either. Um, and so the character work, I just think, is really, really strong in this one. Um, and then when you add in just a s- slick story and great action set pieces, um, yeah, it just it flows so well. And it does not feel like it doesn't feel like I'm sitting there for over two hours. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you have Luther constantly saying that he's just doing his job, even though we know that the bond between him and Ethan goes deeper than that. And I think we see mm-hmm. that the most in Shanghai when it clicks with Luther what Ethan is trying to do. And I believe he calls it a fulcrum. I think so. Or something that he doesn't think will work. But, you know, as soon as Ethan makes his case, he's like, you know, it's Julia. I'm going to go get her. And if it kills me, it kills me sort of thing. And you can tell just from the look on Luther's face, he's like, this dude is crazy, but we're here. We're going to help. And you get that moment when he makes the jump off the roof and swings over to the other roof and Luther sort of cheers when he makes it. And then he like straightens <laughs> up and he's like, I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the humor is so well placed in, the, yeah. in this movie. It, it does the, I don't think there's a single joke in it where I'm like, Oh, that was just inserted in, in there. Like it just, everything feels natural to the characters. The, it doesn't jokes don't break tension in the wrong places um which in in some of in some of the big blockbuster movies these days i feel like it's um i feel like so many of them are just trying to have those like great quick one-liners and sometimes you just you're just like was that really appropriate in that moment we had kind of a nice little uh a, a 
nice little bit of tension or a nice little bit of emotion and now you took me out of it with with your little joke and sometimes it makes sense to the characters sometimes it doesn't but i think in this movie they did a really really good job it just feels natural and i i feel like the 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 characters all feel feel real they don't don't feel like they're pieced together yeah so why don't we go ahead and talk about the action scenes because like i mentioned there are quite a few in this and one of the first ones we get is obviously you know, we have that brutal opening scene, but it's not quite an action scene, so to speak. But the first real one we get is when they go to Berlin, you know, the teams together, you have Luther, Zen, Declan, and Ethan heading to try and save Agent Ferris. And there are, I believe they count 14 men to Ethan being by himself, and everyone else is doing their own parts. And Side note, I love Luther's tech again in this one. <laughs> He's just, oh, yeah. you know, he has the big red roller mice, basically. And he's just like moving the guns everywhere and shooting everything. And it's fantastic. And it's a great so awesome. way to provide backup without him needing to go inside. And it shows that he's not just the tech guy, too. You know, he mm-hmm. does have more than just the tech skill set. He can obviously handle himself and you know, Declan is the getaway man. He's getting the helicopter ready. And Zen, she just kind of does whatever needs to be done. And I think that's sort of a perfect supporting role for Maggie Q in this because she's another person who will do a lot of her own stunts, I believe, because she's actually trained in multiple martial arts. I don't know which exact ones, but I know that is a thing that she has done. And it's something she's pretty well known for, too. So to put her in this role where she gets to put that on display in different ways, I think, is pretty cool. And she doesn't do like too terribly much fighting in this, but she has this sort of skill set where you're like, okay, you know, we can believe that this is something she can actually do. <laughs> yeah. She has a particular set of skills. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that, oh, the first, the, the first action sequence, that was like one of the notes I made as, as we've said that the action sequences uh, just feel natural to the story. And, um, and that was a note that I made was that our first big action scene after the sec, the second film it feels necessary. It fits in with the story rather than just let's have an action scene here. Like the, the mission, uh, the mission is so cool with the, the gadgetry, with the, uh, with the team efforts in all the different areas. Um, and then just in the fact that everything goes South and it's just like everything goes South in such a spectacular, spectacular way. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so, exciting it's intense uh you get you get the moments where um like when ethan injects the uh the adrenaline into agent ferris and they just go like they just go all out just with the, yeah. this great choreographed uh just shoot them up just taking everyone out such a such a good scene um and then uh she keeps trying to tell him like you know i i need to tell you something and of course you and you uh, of course, as soon as she goes to to say something, then the the next thing hits, and they have to they have to keep going. Um, and then, of course, uh, even when they get away in the helicopter, scene's not over. Like it, that, it continues going. But it's just it's 
that helicopter uh, escape is so cool with the windmills. Yeah. Um, I really, really, I love that. And he just like flies right on through and then the other one just gets chopped by the windmill. So cool. <laughs> yeah. And those things are huge too. Yeah. You know, most of us probably see them off in the distance, you know, out here in California, we have a ton of them in a certain area that my parents and I would drive by when we would go camping out in the desert and stuff. And it's just rows and rows of them. And, you know, they just spin at whatever speed. So when I was watching that, it it was kind of nerve wracking. You're like, oh, boy, why are you doing this? Why is this your escape route? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of, um, uh, and, and who knows, maybe even knowing that JJ went and did Star Wars and a big fan that he he, he is. It reminds me of, like the escape in the Millennium Falcon when they go into the asteroid field and it's yeah. like, well, we'll go in here and they won't follow <laughs> us. But then, of course, they follow. Um, so, such a good scene. <laughs> but then, yeah. of course, it's, it's sad when, you know, Agent Ferris dies, which apparently was going to be more like brutal than that. Apparently, originally, I think J.J., uh, uh, I went to watch uh, special features on the Blu-ray, and I there there weren't any. Um, but there's commentary that I've read up on on the when Film School Rejects does those uh, what we learned from the such and such commentary uh, articles, and uh, I learned in that one that I think originally it was going to be kind of like blood spattery. Um, uh, I think, uh, and then I think naturally it being a PG-13, they kind of toned it down, which right. I think is better. Um, I don't think it would have been necessary to the, the these movies aren't aren't you know uh, super gruesome and I I think I think that it would take away from just like the sleek fun of the movies if you made them a little more gruesome sometimes gruesome is fun but uh, in this one I think I think it just works that it's just like she's pleading to to Ethan and then just boom uh, her just like she just like checks out. Um, and uh, and great great acting from uh, from Tom Cruise uh, in that scene and, and everyone in the helicopter just like that moment brief moment of excitement like we got away but then they all look back and see that she's dead and the whole reason that they did this this mission was a failure yeah <laughs> that's all I got for that yeah one of the things I like too is that not every mission has to involve these big action scenes because then we go and we see them in Italy and it's a much different operation there. And then, you know, obviously they get Owen and you have Ethan hanging him out of the bottom of the plane and then you have him being transported. And that sort of gives us our next really big action sequence when his men come to get him and missiles start blowing up the bridge everywhere. And you sort of just have, this sequence where cars are flipping through the air and cars are crashing into each other and there's so much chaos going on in that moment and every member of the team has to sort of figure out what the situation is who's doing what you know you have some of them attending to people who have been injured and it's actually pretty much most of the team doing that and Then you have Ethan doing all of these crazy things. You know, he goes back to the SUV to get 
one of the bigger guns because obviously handguns are no match for this situation. Yeah. And he has to shoot down the drone and then he tries to get to the helicopter before Owen gets away. And obviously, you know, you have to let Owen get away because otherwise the movie could kind of just end shortly after that. So it sets up, you know, this encounter later in the movie for the two of them. And I think, you know, that was really well done because you see how hard they are all trying to make sure he doesn't get away, but they're just so outnumbered that it's very believable that, you know, all of these men in this helicopter would be able to get him and get him out of there. Yeah. And that, that whole action sequence is such a great juxtaposition from the mission that we just saw where it's like the, on uh, the, the Vatican heist, first of all, is one of my favorite moments in the entire series. Uh, It's just so cool and so well done. Um, the spy work is fantastic where it's just like the they have the little switch to do smoke on the on the truck uh, to sneak in there. He scales yeah. the wall. And then when he gets to the top, he's like taking the picture. And when he lands up there, he says, uh, I, I love in any spy movie when they when they have just the little uh, the weird code lines that don't make that don't make any sense to people on the outside. But it's like but it it's just the spy talk. And so when he gets to the top and he's just like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and that's like, that's the next, that's the code that it's okay to launch the next part of the, uh, the mission. And it's, and then Ethan, you know, flips and he slides down and it's a little nod to the first film. Like as he goes down on the wire and stops right before the ground, next thing you know, he's dressed as a, a priest and he's, he's walking through and then, uh, what's, uh, Maggie Q's character's name? Zen. Yeah. I believe that's how it's pronounced anyway. I think that's what they said. <laughs> Some, sounds about right. Uh, she shows up and then, of course, um, almost doesn't get in, but uh, but he just gets his little guard uniform on just in time to show up. And they get in, but then he's he's seen running to catch up with, uh, uh, with Ethan, and he's, like, rushing to change into the next outfit. And um, I the scene is just so it's so smooth and done so well. And you just see that high energy of just like, boom, boom, we have to get to the next spot. Um, and we, we get our, our, uh, we even get our reveal on how they make the masks and how they get the, the audio, uh, things. Cause that was, we were sitting there watching the second movie and just like, how are they just making these masks? On the go? <laughs> yeah. And there's our answer. Um, and it's, it's such a, a cool and sleek scene and it all goes out with, uh, go all goes off with basically without a hitch. They get uh, Damien like into the sewer from underneath the car. Then they blow up the car. Um, and then in comparison to that, you have that scene on the bridge where, yeah, they had this super successful mission. And then Damien pushes all the right buttons on the plane and gets the information out of Ethan that he needs and then everything just goes wrong from there. And so it's uh, I it's such a great balance of yeah, we're this great team. We go in and we we do all our spy stuff. We're going to win, of course. We're the impossible mission force. And then everything that you just did, it it means nothing because well, as we learn later, uh mole, you know, ruins everything and Damien gets broken out and 
uh, and they lose them again. And so I, it, it's, it's such a great juxtaposition of just two scenes that are just ba- basically back to back. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up that the scene in Italy is one of your favorite moments because I certainly agree with that. But one of the moments that I vividly remembered from the first time that I watched this movie was Ethan running down that walkway in Shanghai when he is going to rescue Julia. And we've Gotta talked love about that Tom Cruise running. Yeah, he <laughs> runs a lot in this movie too, because after the bridge scene, he races to the hospital and you just see him yeah. running and running and running. He's like the energizer <laughs> bunny. And yeah. You know, we've talked about how he does all of his own stunts, or at least the good majority of them. So even though we get that really cool scene with him swinging from the building and then, you know, the parachute thing going wrong, I feel like this moment was him at his most desperate almost because, you know, he's on the phone with Benji getting directions to yeah where the phone call was when he had Musgrave, who is the mole. You know, he lets them believe it's Brassel for a bit, but obviously that does not last until the end of the movie. And yeah, he's just running full speed to save her. And that kind of leads us into the last big action scene. And a lot of it has to do with how Julia handles herself too, because, you know, she's the one who ends up killing Musgrave. And I just think, you know, that moment of desperation from Ethan, he was like, okay, you know, this is my chance to save her. So it's full speed ahead, you know, and Benji is freaking out on the end, on the other end of the line. And he's like, I'm going to lose my job. We can share a cell. You know, he's sort of just having this internal panic attack. And it's one of those moments where, you know, Benji adds a little comedy to it, but you can tell how serious it is just by Ethan's reactions to everything. Absolutely. That's a, that's a a great example of, of how this movie balances uh, the tension and comedy so well, because you have Ethan being, you know, absolutely desperate to, he just needs, he needs to get to, to Julia. He needs to, he needs to save her. He needs to put an end to this. And there's so much tension and intensity in that. And then you have Benji, you know, on the, on the other phone, one of my favorite lines when he, uh, I forget what list, uh, he's on some most wanted list. Uh, and, uh, and he's like, and that's a spectacular list to be on, I might add, but I'm going to hang up now. And um, you, ha- you have these these great jokes from from Benji, but none of them take that tension away. You're still roped into, is he going to make it in time? Um, because and, and I think I think we're left with the. The feeling that generally, yeah, it's Ethan Hunt. He's going to save the day. Everything's going to be okay. But there's, I feel like there's this little glimmer in the back of your mind that reminds you of the beginning of the movie. And you're just kind of like, do they really kill her? Like, it is this whole thing that uh, is this whole movie going to culminate in uh, proof that he can't live this this happy life with somebody else? And then when he does finally get to her, but then he's, you know, captured and strapped in. And Julia is shot in front of his his eyes. There's the brief moment of just like, no, no, they didn't really do this. I, and I remember feeling that 
in the theater, like just like, no, like this, this, no, this can't work. Like he's, he has to save the day. Like he, he can't, he, you can't just kill her. But I had this moment of just, is, uh, is she going to die? And, um, that's such, such a great sequence. The, the whole thing from, from running to get there to finally getting to see how that whole, uh, scene in the, in the beginning plays out. Um, and the Musgrave reveal is awesome. I love when he just sits down and just Billy, and this is just a testament to Billy Crudup. Like it, he, I really, really like him and I, I don't think he's in nearly enough things. Um, but at least that I've seen, but when he sits down and he just kind of sighs a little and says, it's complicated. I, to me that that's, it's um, among the best of like reveals in you know, action in action movies. I thought that was so well done. Um, I feel like I kept going a bit there, but I just <laughs> it's get totally excited. fine. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that moment with Musgrave showing up when, you know, they have Ethan handcuffed to the chair and everything. And he rips off part of the mask to reveal that it wasn't Julia after all. So they have Ethan go through all of this emotional trauma yeah, just to tell him that she's still alive. And then we get that huge running scene from him. And it's just one of those things where it's a powerful moment, even though, you know, it's probably not going to end well for Musgrave now because Oh, that's One, right. Those he, scenes are flipped. I, yeah. I, yeah. Totally fine. I, I, said it, I said it the opposite way. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It, it, a lot happens at this movie. It's easy to get things mixed <laughs> up. But then, you know, Julia ends up shooting him in the end. And I think that is just so fantastic that, you know, she ends up sort of being the hero of her own story in a sense. And yeah. obviously you have Ethan who is actually dead for at least a couple minutes and you know yeah. she's doing cpr and then she just starts pounding on him and he like jerks back to life and yeah you know obviously like i said we knew he wasn't going to die but it was still a very intense moment yeah you get caught up you get caught up in it and it's that that's that's the best part about that, that's my favorite thing just w- watching movies and then uh, i have some friends that uh, I feel like unfortunately are kind of incapable of just uh, allowing themselves to get fully roped up into it. And so I have some friends that would sit there and be like, yeah, of course he's still alive. But then it's like, for me, I don't know. It's just like when I'm sitting there watching a movie, I just, my brain just latches on and connects to that world in the movie. And so, yeah, I've watched all these movies numerous times. I know he survived, <laughs> but I still sit there and I get all tensed up and uh, just because her performance and she's so desperate just trying to save him, even though as a doctor, she should know that that's the worst way to do CPR. Um, but <laughs> uh, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's such a it's such a great scene. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, my God, come on, wake up, wake up. And then it's and then he does. And you're just like. Whew, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I can relax now. <laughs> exactly. Well, do you have any final thoughts on the movie? I think we've covered most of it except for that, you know, final moment, which we will definitely talk about because Ethan breaks quite a few rules after, you know, him and yeah. Julia start walking away. He just starts spilling everything to her. <laughs> and then 
the IMF just lets her in. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, okay, well, you know, at least she got to meet everyone. You know, that part was kind of cool because you have Luther making that comment earlier about how he'd probably never meet her. And then to yeah. have that happen by the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, you know what? I th- I think it's fine that she gets to know that he works with Luther and obviously it's more of a rotating team yeah outside of luther but it's still one of those things where you know these people help save her life she should be able to thank them for that at least (laughs) and absolutely just to get them then walking off to get ready to go to their honeymoon and having the movie end there i was like yeah that's a good ending you know we don't we don't need to see the honeymoon or anything that would have just made the movie probably longer than it needed to be and it's kind of like the beginning we don't need that explanation there no we 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 know that that's just they went through this harrowing experience they got married right before all of it happened and now they finally have this this op- this open side to a, a part of who each other are and their relationship that they can just go just go on a honeymoon and just relax and just um he you know he doesn't have to feel like he's leaving leading this double life and you know uh, as we obviously know he does stay with the IMF but uh but you know he just gets to go off and just be like you know what we just went through this whole thing I don't want to think about the IMF at all I'm just gonna go on my honeymoon I'm just gonna have fun and then yeah. figure it out from there and it 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 is just a really nice ending and it's it's great to to see his team who the whole movie have been telling him like, this is not a good idea. You you shouldn't get involved with someone. And on one hand, they're proven right because of everything that happens. But on the other hand, they get to meet her and see this wonderful person who does fill this hole in Ethan's life that they maybe don't understand. Um, because maybe it's not how they're wired, but they get to see their friend, you know, especially for Luther. He's like, this is that even though it's like they, they never really say it. It's like they're they're like brothers. And he's like, I get to see I get to see, you know, my brother here just being happy. And I understand I understand what he's been saying this this whole time to me. Yeah, I get it, even though I'm still right that she got in a bunch of trouble because Ethan, <laughs> Ethan married her. Um but that's that's the tale of spies and superheroes and ev- everyone <laughs> everyone else in these dan- dangerous lines of work. Yeah, one of the moments that we skipped over, I just want to touch on real quick here, but it's after Ethan rushes to the hospital and realizes that Julia has been taken. He's forcefully taken back to the IMF. And oh yeah, it's interesting. The Silence that, of the Lamb scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting that Musgrave helps him get out, knowing that he's the mole. And that Ethan isn't going to stop. So, you know, that's just another great sequence of Ethan running a lot because, you know, he's climbing up the elevator cables and then he's just rushing through the building and he gets out. And we have another comedic moment in that when he puts the radio down and we are family is just blaring over the boombox there. (laughs) And then... Lawrence Fishburne's just like you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, he he was such a good addition to the to the movie. Uh, I remember when we were watching the the second one and we talked about like, oh my god, like 
they got uh anthony, anthony hopkins, hopkins. And, and you're just like how did where where do you go from here like he, he's he's fantastic but uh, Lawrence fishburne is so good in the role of the head of imf like yeah. it's he's he's got that dickish quality to it but also like a bit of humor but also i res- i respect my agents and it's he just gets all the balance right and uh he gets a lot more to do than the than the other heads of imf so that also helps um but yeah he he was so he and uh billy crudup are are both really great additions uh to this movie um in those roles and um and i i want a bit because you uh because you said how it's interesting that musgrave helps him kind of get out even though he knows he's not going to stop. It's like part of the plan because he still needs to get the rabbit's foot. True. And his only chance to get the rabbit's foot is for Ethan to do it. And then I also feel like it falls into the whole speech that Musgrave gives where he says, what were you going to do? If we if we get Damien, you, you take him out, out of it, two, two more, um, you know, two more pop back up. Uh, but it's like, no, you, you use him, you, you, collaborate with him and i feel like i feel like musgrave almost even though i think he knows who ethan is and he is this like almost like boy scout that he he i feel like musgrave knows he's not gonna go along with it but is hoping hey if i can hold the life of your wife over your head maybe i can get you to play ball and help me with everything that I'm doing that's all seedy in the background. Um, so I feel like he's he wants him to get out and be like, remember that time that I saved you? Think about all these mo- and and then think about that and then think about that I convinced Damien to not kill you and your wife. It's like, you owe me. And I feel like he's he's got this twisted thing in his head that he's just like, I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to get everybody on my side. Naturally, that doesn't pan out and... The expression on his face when he gets when he gets shot by Julia is fantastic. Like, I love that he's just like, oh, <laughs> just yeah. falls and the rabbit's foot just like rolls out of the case. It, it's such a uh, such a great payoff to to just all the crap that he pulled in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that wraps up all of my thoughts on the movie. Is there anything else you want to touch on that we didn't hit? No, I think I think that's really uh, it. I mean, I I really enjoyed the return to a traditional score after the the last movie, which was a lot of um, heavy guitars um, and uh, like Metallica sounding uh, <laughs> score, um, except for you know the uh, the super John Woo like choir uh, uh, type things with all the doves. I really enjoyed the score. Um, so I and actually I don't remember who did the score for this movie looks like the music was by Michael Giacchino, but I don't know if that okay. was necessarily the score or just it. it's confusing with music because you have the music supervisor who like places songs like we are family yeah. and everything. And then you have like the composer. So I don't yeah. I don't know which is which. <laughs> it looks like yeah, it looks like he was the composer. And I mean, he okay. did Star Trek. He did War for the Planet of the Apes uh, inside out. I mean, he's, he's definitely got a good good list of of things on there so i i really enjoyed his score which um oh he did incredibles too um but uh i enjoyed that it brought back a lot of the things from 
the themes from the TV show and stuff when Ethan's showing up to first meet the team and he's on the motorcycle that like just like uh that's playing on the piano that's all from the TV show um and uh and that's a, a themes that they continue to build on in the in the in the next movie so um I'm excited to talk about the next movies and that's pre- I guess really that's my last thought on this one is that I feel like I love the first one. The second movie is a ton of fun, but it is not up to par with the rest of the movies. But three is definitely the we're back on track um, and everything builds off of this one, especially when it gets to Ghost Protocol, which is the next movie. Um, That is like that is the Ghost Protocol. It takes everything from this one, builds on that and says this is what the Mission Impossible series is. And so it's like between this and the next movie, it's what it's what defines the series and what it's become. And I, I think it's um, entirely for the best. Um, so I'm really excited for you to see the rest of them and to, con- to continue discussing these uh, because I, I clearly don't get tired of revis- <laughs> <laughs> revisiting them. <laughs> Well, that works out nicely for me, and I will definitely keep you updated on watching them and everything. I'm hoping to do that soon. I don't think 4 and 5 are streaming anywhere, so I'll probably have to rent them or something or see if they're coming to one of the services this month. I don't know. Everything is always like coming and going between Hulu and Netflix and Amazon. I'm just like, okay, let me find a place where I can just easily look this up. So I have like a go-to website. It's justwatch.com. And you can search for like where movies and TV shows are streaming so that you can sort of figure it out. And it gives you like the prices for everything to, to rent and buy. So you can just compare everything in one spot. It's nice. I'll link to that in the show notes for anyone else who wants to use it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That that's, uh, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I saw it was somewhere I'll, I'll double check. Um, and then, you know, after we're recording and everything, I'll, I'll if I, if I find it, I'll, I'll let you know. And that way you don't have to, uh, pay to rent it. Um, but, uh, I could, I could be wrong. It might be gone. But I'll, I'll, I'll check. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? You never know. Like, like, like you said, it's just like every time you turn around, something's either missing or you have every movie on a streaming service that is not the one that you want to watch. Like in the franchise, they'll always have like, oh, here's one and two, and then we'll give you five, but you don't get three and four. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, are you kidding me? It's like our DVD <laughs> shelf. We just have three. Yeah. <laughs> None of the rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tim. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.